We're gonna be okay Love has got a way Of taking all the blame Absorbing all the pain We're gonna be okay Well, hello there, my friends. Uh, This is Steve, and welcome to the podcast. Feels like it's been quite a few weeks since it's just been me talking to you about a word, which is what I normally do. Uh, But I released a book into the world. It's called Whole, Restoring What's Broken in Me, You, and the Entire World. And I had some interviews set up, and I kind of preloaded them for several weeks because there's all kinds of other things that you do when a book is about to be released. But I'm really excited to be launching this podcast today. Uh, What I'm talking about today is dialogue. And the reason why I'm talking about it is because since we've been together last, there have been just a whole slew of things happening in the news. We had Charlottesville and the neo-Nazis and white supremacy. And then we had the president's non-response. And then we had the president's response. And then we had the president's taking back his response. And we had all the reaction on all the sides to neo-Nazis, to white supremacy, to white nationalism, to the president. Twitter was on fire. It was burning down. And the emotions uh, all around us were just red hot. And then we had the flood in Houston, which is still happening. Uh, The images that we see are just frightening. And then uh, if you're tuned into the Christian world at all, we had this thing called the Nashville Statement. It's a group of people, largely white men, who put out a statement about LGBT inclusion in the church. And that sparked a whole slew of reactions on all sides. Very, very interesting reactions on every side. And so I want to talk about dialogue. I want to talk about our propensity to react Um, our honest propensity to react with um, our amygdala, and that's our fight or flight part of our brain. We get really activated, and that's natural. We all do it. Uh, I think it's not something to even be afraid of or apologize for. But I want to talk about today taking a next step. Um, Let's acknowledge that we're all going to have some amygdala hijack. We're going to get mad. We're going to get... We're going to offer maybe some things that that upon further reflection, we would massage or tweak a little bit. (laughs) Um, But then I want to talk about graduating into a different uh, way of being with each other. And that's through uh, through through dialogue. So uh, and it really hit home to me a few days ago. Well, I guess it was about a week ago. I got. 
I got a message in my inbox from someone who really was pretty hurt by just the general tone of my Facebook posts and Twitter posts. And this person and I have talked before, we see the world pretty differently in most things. And this person was trying to open up a dialogue with me about uh, the ways in which my, the way I communicate really triggers him. And I got defensive, man. I got to admit, I got defensive. I fired back some, I think, polite responses, but I was not, it was not necessarily furthering the dialogue. And there was someone else also included. There's three of us in on the thread. And finally, uh, the other person suggested that perhaps it would be best for the three of us to meet face to face. And I got to be honest, my first reaction was, no, I, I don't want to meet face to face. I, I don't want to meet face to face. This is requiring energy that God, I'm not even sure it's worth it. I don't think my views are ever going to be seen as valid anyway. I think I'm being painted into a corner here and I'm being caricatured. And so I don't really want to do this. And then I realized I was painting the other person into a corner. I was caricaturing the other person. <laughs> and I realized the kind of person I want to be and the kind of person that I preach about and I talk about is the kind of person that sits down and listens and learns and uh, expands your view, especially with someone who sees the world differently. You know, it's, it's frankly pretty easy to sit down with someone who might think a little differently than you, but not in a way that threatens you. We find it pretty easy to expand our way of thinking if we're not threatened. But when we're threatened, that's when the amygdala hijack happens. That's when it's fight or flight and there's a better option. So I want to talk about that option. I want to talk about how to dialogue. Uh, when you read something on Twitter or Facebook that you disagree with, when you're sitting at the Thanksgiving table or even just around the dinner table with your family, your extended family, uh, or at work when you're sitting around having lunch and someone fires off some political comment that really bugs you and raises your hackles and you feel that fight or flight response. I mean, it's just so big and you want to confront or you just want to get out. So when you feel that way, that's a good signal that something that's pretty close to what you care about is being threatened. It doesn't mean necessarily the other person is right or even wrong, but it means that what they're saying, how they're saying it is pretty threatening. So what if, what if, uh, you use some different strategies and you can maybe load these up in your tool belt for when someone says something, someone does something uh, that um, you really, it, it raises your hackles. You have some options. Now, one option really is to move on, to just let it go. 
And I think there are times when that's honestly really a good option. I don't think you need to respond to every single thing. I don't think you need to engage every single thing you disagree with. That's part of why Facebook and Twitter is such a dumpster fire right now is because everyone is taking the bait. Everyone is feeling the need to respond to everything. So I think one option is to move on. You have another option, and that's to counter, just to fire off the first thing that comes to your mind. And that is an option. And honestly, I don't think that's always the wrong option. Um, sometimes that's really like maybe you haven't had much of a voice in your life and you want to have more of a voice. You want to practice not having to say it perfectly. And so I think that's not always the wrong option. I think many times firing back right away leads to some, some not helpful back and forth, but that is an option. Another option is just maybe you wait a beat or two. You know, you've, you have that strong reaction. You give it some time to ride it out like a wave. It's going to feel real big, but then it's going to get smaller again. And maybe you wait until you're not so emotionally charged uh, in, you know, in order to comment uh, or to say something. And uh, another option is to get curious and start a dialogue. And that's what I want to talk about mostly today. So again, four options, there's probably more, but, um, and I think they're all right and wrong, uh, or right or wrong, depending on the scenario. So there's no real formula here, but I want to talk about if you want to start a dialogue with someone, maybe here's what to do. Uh, Brian McLaren says this thing when, when he, that, that for, I don't know, years, quite a few years now, he has practiced this strategy. When someone says something that he doesn't agree with, maybe someone fires off a racial joke, maybe someone fires off a sexist joke, maybe someone says something as though it's fact uh, that you really disagree with. Maybe it's around climate change. Maybe it's around a political candidate. Maybe it's around religion. Uh, there's any number of examples. So when someone says something that you disagree with to you and you're kind of waiting, they're kind of waiting for you to react, what he does is he says, wow, that's really interesting. I don't see it that way. And then he just lets it stand like that. He doesn't, doesn't go further than that. He just says, wow, that's really interesting. I don't see it that way. And typically, uh, the other person then is going to say, what do you mean? Or, you know, and then you can decide whether or not that is the right time to dive into that. And it may be the right time to dive into it. It may not be the right time to dive into it. So I think that's one tool in your tool belt. Instead of just letting like a, a racist comment slip by or a sexist comment slip by, or when someone just, again, says something as fact um, in terms of religion or politics uh, or global warming or whatever, that like you're like, I, I don't think I can just let that go. But instead of refuting it and getting the person on their defensive, just say, wow, okay, I don't, I don't see it that way. 
Another thing you can do if you're feeling really, really like calm and comfortable and you want to be really curious is you can say something like, wow, tell me more about why you think that that's true. I want to, I want to find out more about what's behind that comment you just made that you think, uh, the climate change is fake, or you think that all negative reporting about the president is fake news, or that you think, um, any number of things. Help me understand why you think that way. Tell me more about that. And, you know, you would need to really be willing to dive into a conversation at that point. You'd need to invest. You'd need to be curious. You'd need to really want to listen and learn, not to prove your own point, not to give them some space to speak just so you can speak, but to honestly get a little further into the conversation and learn about what it is, why it is that they think that. Uh, another thing that you could ask, like if someone comes after you and says, for example, you know, when you said that thing, it really made me mad because I, I don't think that way. Okay. So you could say, well, what did you perceive I was saying? And I'm pretty, I'm pretty versed at all these things because I'm a pastor. <laughs> and this happens to me uh, from time to time. Uh, but I found it's really important for me to stop. And because, uh, it, you know, when I, okay, when I give a sermon, it's, it's just fascinating to me how many people, both negative and positive, will come up to me afterwards and say, you know, when you said, and then they'll say this thing. And then they'll say it really helped or wow, I really disagreed with that. Most of the time, honestly, most of the time, I never said that. I actually didn't say that. What they heard was some version of what I said filtered through their presuppositions, filtered through what they were thinking about already in the moment. So just stopping and saying, hey, just tell me what did you perceive that I said and what did you perceive that I meant uh, for this thing that kind of ticked you off so much? Another thing that you could say is, hey, you know, when I posted that Facebook post or when I said that thing, how did I come across to you? Did I, did I seem self-righteous? Did I seem angry? Did I seem, you know, uh, and you don't have to put words in their mouth, but this, this question, how did I come across to you? Because it's fascinating to me, especially like with spouses, even with my wife and I, we love each other. And I think we have a great relationship. And that means we, we fight a lot and we disagree a lot. But for both of us, when we repeat back the tone that we heard the comment that each other just said to us so many times, the person that actually said it says, oh my gosh, either I didn't say it that way or I didn't mean to say it that way. I didn't mean to sound, wow, is that really how I sounded? Because I didn't mean to. Uh, and again, when someone hears you or even read, especially when someone reads a comment on Facebook or an email, there is no facial, uh, there is no facial expression to even do some decoding. But even when there is a facial expression, and even when there is tone of voice to do some interpreting and, and decoding, 
many times I come across more intense or more uh, fired up than I actually am. So with my coworkers and with my spouse, with Mary, I've actually um, given them a little tool for me. And I say, look, when I come across really hot, like I'm at about a nine or a 10, you need to ask me like to rate it on a number scale. Uh, you need to say to me, hey, you're coming across here like an eight or a nine. Is that really where you're at? And that gives me the opportunity to stop and reflect and say, oh my gosh, actually, I'm, I don't know why I appeared that fired up. I'm really more of like a four. Uh, or it might be really like, no, I absolutely am. I'm at a nine or a 10 on this. And yep, I'm fired up and I'm feeling it. And, and it's, but the point is, let's, let's talk about it so that we can be on the same page because many times we're really not. We hear something through our own filters, through our own, whatever it is that we were talking about. If we've had a bad morning with the kids or with our coworkers or with our roommate, and then we bump into someone. It's like, I, I got this picture from someone that uh, years ago that I've, I'll never forget, is that sometimes you, you, you bump into someone and you say something pretty, uh, you know, pretty innocuous or pretty benign, but they're carrying the day's, uh, you know, reactions and they're carrying the day's conflicts. They're carrying everything as if they were carrying a big stack of books. And to the degree that they've been in stressful, high anxiety, conflictual situations, it's like they're carrying Imagine them carrying like 40 books stacked up. Then you bump into them. And when you bump into them, it's a small, like you, you, you barely touch them. But man, those books come crashing down. And see, that, that really wasn't about you. That was really more about, it was a little bit about you, but it was really more about the conflict that they were carrying into it. So how did I come across to you is really an important question. And then another thing you can say when you're wanting to dialogue with someone and when you're especially curious and you really want to learn is, hey, uh, what would you like me to know about this topic that maybe you feel like I don't know? One of the things I wrote about in my book, Whole, is um, my friend Dee and I were sitting down, we were having lunch. And Dee is another church planner. She's a pastor here, here in Minneapolis. Um, Dee is six feet tall. She's black. She's an incredible preacher and a good friend. And I was telling her about uh, my some of my thoughts on the Exodus story, you know, when the children of Israel are led out of Egypt by Moses. And she stopped me. And she said, oh, no. <laughs> and I'm like, what? She go, and we're friends, and we were friends at this point, but she goes, man, I got to tell you, I just always get really nervous when white people talk about the Exodus story as if they're the children of Israel and not Egypt. And it was like a mic drop moment. You're like, boom. And I was like, whoa. And thankfully, uh, I, I didn't, I actually didn't feel defensive in the moment. I don't know why I didn't feel defensive. At times I might have felt defensive about that. But that's when I kind of asked this question. All right, uh, tell me more about um, what you want me to know about what's going through the mind of, um, honestly, an African-American when they hear a white pastor 
use the Exodus story to their primarily white congregations and paint ourselves in the picture of the children of Israel instead of Egypt. And we had a great conversation. I mean, it was, it was, it was incredible. I learned a lot um, that I honestly, it's like maybe uh, I should have known, or maybe I sort of on some uh, idealistic or ethereal level knew, but I didn't know relationally. I didn't know experientially uh, how a comment like that, um, what that triggers in someone. And, and again. Uh, see that like there, there's just so there's so much happening in everybody's worlds, especially now where we can read that, you know, the news cycle is not a day. It's not morning and evening. It's every second. There's something new. There's every second. There's some new reaction to read. And we're all reading all these reactions. We're getting all fired up. Our amygdalas are constantly being hijacked. So it's really helpful to have some dialogue. Now the end game, I want to talk about this. The end game of a diet of having a dialogue with someone is not necessarily to end up agreeing with them or having them agree with you. It's not, it's not to end up with agreement. It's to understand more than the soundbite because Typically, all we get is the soundbite right now, and all we get is the amygdala response, the fight or flight response. So stopping and having dialogue is not about necessarily, now you might end up agreeing, and if you do, wow, that would be a bonus, but that's not necessarily the point. It's also not the end game to end up as best friends. When you're having dialogue with someone with whom you fundamentally disagree about a pretty big thing, um, you, you may end up be fr being, being friends and that would be amazing, but that's not the, that's not necessarily the end game. The end game is to listen, learn, and maybe come to a greater respect. It's also not the end game to get someone to like you, to, to, to think like you. Uh, you don't listen in order to, to buy you time to then share your point of view so you can win. It's not about getting the last word. It's not about getting people to think like you. It's also not about uh, learning to think like them. You're going to try to understand them. You're going to try to uh, figure out more about a subject that perhaps you didn't know. But the point is not to change your way of thinking necessarily. It might change your way of thinking and it might change your perspective on something. But the, the end game is not so that you just flip flop and change your point of view on something. Here is part of the end game. It's to humanize someone instead of caricature them. And I think this is radically important uh, to the degree that we're caricaturing people on the other side of whatever belief it is that you have, uh, we lose, we all lose. Uh, when we caricature someone, I mean, no one is as good or as bad as we think they are. And that is just a universal truth. When we caricature them, we, we have all kinds of reasons. We, we create all kinds of reasons to hate them, to exclude them, to not like them. And the truth is, uh, that is not helpful to your own soul. It's not helpful to their souls. And when you do it to someone, you end up doing it to more people than you think. Uh, the end game is to learn something, to learn something new. 
Uh, wouldn't it be great if even if you ended a conversation with someone that you really don't agree with around some big issue, that you walked away learning something? I mean, that would be such a win. And uh, another end game is to eventually start to lower your defenses to the degree that your defenses are sky high. You will you will act out of your ego self, out of your false self. You'll constantly need to defend what you believe. Um, and honestly, that is a really exhausting way to live. You can live out what you believe in a beautiful, winsome, light way. But if your defenses are always sky high, you're going to carry what you believe in a very heavy-handed way and everyone's going to know it. And we've all run into people like that that carry what they believe in such a heavy-handed way. And really what's beneath that is, is a fragile, false self that is that their defenses are way, 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 way up. So friends, uh, just a couple of caveats before I wrap this up. Number one, caveat number one, you know, sometimes it really is time to end the conversation. You've had the conversation three or four times. You've had it on email. You've had it on Facebook. You've had it in person. You're not changing. They're not changing. And sometimes it's just, it's really time to end the conversation. And that's okay. Honestly, that's okay. You, you cannot just endlessly try to work it out. Maybe you come back to it in a year or more. Um, so that's caveat number one. Caveat number two, it's got to be a two-way street. If you enter into a dialogue with someone, uh, for it to be fruitful, they have to want to learn too. They have to want to expand their view too. They have to want to listen to you too. And if it's just if it's always they're interrupting you, if it's always they're just waiting for you to stop talking so that they can resume their diatribe, you know, that's when you can say, hey, I, I thought this was going to be one kind of conversation and it's really not turning out to be that way. So peace be upon you. <laughs> and uh, but I'm but I'm done with this conversation. That's really OK to say. And then lastly, when we're talking about dialogue, when we're talking about listening, when we're talking about expanding our view, there really is right and wrong. I mean, there there really is. And your view of right and wrong may change over time, may expand over time, may morph and be nuanced over time. But, you know, when, like, this is why so many people got so incensed by the president's comments that there, there was wrong on every side when there was neo-Nazis marching and um, uh, there was a militia civilian militia with semi-automatic rifles. The reason why people got so incensed by the president saying that there were many sides is because white supremacy and neo-Nazism is wrong. I mean, that is a, that is, there, there, there should not be debate on that. There should not be, um, honestly, that is one thing that there should not be dialogue about. Uh, we have seen the effects of racism in our country, in our world, since time immemorial. And it is not okay for one culture to stand up and say that they're better than the other cultures and that uh, we would be a better place if it was just all one, one color or one culture. That's wrong. That's wrong. 
Now, some of the reactions, maybe even to the president, you know, again, amygdala, we do stupid things with the, with, with the amygdala. But um, just, again, I think it's an important caveat to say that there are issues where, nah, I don't care how much we, I don't care how much we talk about this. I don't care how much you tell me or I tell you my view on this. There, there are certain things that are right and wrong. And I think those things actually are much more clear cut than we think. And there aren't a million things that are like that, but there are some. So my friends, here's, here's my encouragement to you. Uh, I'm trying my best at this in this really volatile time in our history where our reactions are red hot uh, the hot takes on social media are immediate and it fuels all kinds of amygdala hijacks. Uh, there's all kinds of confirmation bias happening right now, which simply means that when we really believe something, we're conditioned to not believe uh, counterpoints when, when something comes into our field of view that opposes what we believe. We're confirmation bias says that we're automatically predisposed to reject those as false or fake. And uh, we're automatically predisposed to um, to look for and highlight the things that we already do believe. And that's a that's that's confirmation bias and it happens. So my encouragement to you in this really, really volatile time is to look for ways when you can have some dialogue with people, especially with whom you disagree. Um, I'm actually really looking forward to this time that I'm going to have. Uh, I don't know if I even said that, that I actually am going to go have, have lunch with uh, this friend. And I have, I have high hopes that we're going to leave that as uh, friends and as understanding each other. Uh, this is not something I'm dreading. It's not something that I anticipate that it's going to go terribly. I'm actually really, really looking forward to it because I think it'll be an opportunity for me to express uh, some of uh, the ways that I think and feel, but also it's going to be an opportunity for me to hear a certain point of view that frankly, maybe I caricature. So uh, it's going to be good. So friends, I want to say thank you so much uh, for listening. Uh, I don't think I say this very often, but it, man, it'd be great if, uh, if you love this good word, hop on iTunes, give it a quick rating and review. That would mean a lot to me. Um, and uh, head on over to Patreon. I have some ideas for Patreon benefits uh, lately that are super, super fun. So we're going to get into that. So uh, on my show notes, head on over to the Patreon page. Very fun. And lastly, uh, if you haven't checked out my book, Whole, Restoring What's Broken in Me, You, and the Entire World, you can get it anywhere you buy books, um, Barnes & Noble, Amazon, Books A Million, Nav Press, CBD, all kinds of places. Uh, you can get the audiobook. I recorded it, so that was super fun. You can get it on Kindle, and you can get the, the paperback. I think it's about 10 bucks right now. So uh, thank you so much. We are dust and breath. We are limited and limitless. We are human and holy. And my friends, we are in it together. Thanks so much for listening. You can follow me on Facebook at Steve Ween's Author, Twitter at Steve Ween's, and Instagram at Steve Ween's. And you can find all my work, all my books, the show notes, all kinds of other fun stuff on my website, steveweens.com. And please consider supporting me on Patreon. Lots of fun benefits for all levels of patrons. Check it out at patreon.com slash thisgoodword. 